Welcome to The Whole Testament, a podcast putting the Old and New Testaments back together. And this episode is the first in a series of a whole string of episodes talking about the tabernacle. We're going to go over God's deep desire to dwell among His people and our propensity to turn and go the other way. If you want to check us out in video format, we have our first ever video podcast available on YouTube. If you search in the search bar, the Tabernacle Appetizer, it will be one of the very first videos. Or if you want to search under the channels, you can search for the whole Testament and you can click on that and subscribe to the channel and you can get all the updated videos as they come out. Or if you want to just head over to the website, there's a link on the website. It says YouTube. You can click on that. It'll take us right to the channel where you can subscribe. Thanks for listening. And as always, if you have any questions or comments, let us know at thewholetestament at gmail.com. So I'm recording today with you from a loft in St. Louis. I am down here with my oldest daughter, Anna. She just had surgery on her eye, which is why we missed episode 13. We, were, we found out that she has um, cancer on the back of her eye. And so we come down here. They put a radiation thing on the back of it. And so I'm here in this loft for the week. And I thought I would take advantage to do some podcasts and share some um, study that I've been doing with you guys. We're starting a new series on uh, the tabernacle, the temple, the tent of meeting, um, and how significant and important that is. And I, I got to be honest, as I've been studying it, um, it's been really uh, powerful to me. I've really been overwhelmed by the amount of detail and the and the significance that God puts in every single detail. And as I was thinking about it, and I was thinking about Anna with her eye, and um, also I just have um, just started reading through uh, the, the Old Testament again. And so I was going through the creation story and it's like, it's so, God is so intentional. If we look out at the creation outside and we see every detail, the, the way the sun it reacts with the leaves, the way the leaves change colors, the all the details. Like God was very specific. He even like painted fish in the bottom of the ocean that nobody would ever see just to show his majesty and his glory. And I was thinking about the, like Anna's eye and how I, I watched a video on what the surgery was. It's unbelievable. Just watching that video and seeing how detailed the eye is and every part and how it all works together is just overwhelming to me um, how specific God is with the with his creation, with what he's brought forth. And as I was studying the tabernacle, I was kind of brought to this place where I was like, why don't we ever approach the text as if the details in there are that specific. We read the stories, especially a lot of times as we're going through the um, the Old Testament, we read the stories and we're like, those are good stories. Maybe I can draw something out of that. A lot of times we find ourselves in um, this cycle of doing my daily devotions where I pick up my Bible, I spend my 15 minutes. I sometimes point and shoot like a, a random 
Magic 8-Ball, what does this have to say to me today? And I read the scripture hoping to get something out of it. And yet, how often do we come to the text? How, how often do we come to God's word as if he has put every detail, every line, every little point, dot, which is what Jesus says, no dot or tittle will be removed until it's all complete. If he, as if God has placed those in there specifically and intentionally to paint a picture. And as I've been studying the tabernacle, I'm just overwhelmed. This is exactly what he's doing. He's painting a picture. And it's this story that begins in Eden where Adam and Eve are put in the garden with God. And that's like the picture of what it's supposed to be like pre-sin before man chooses to go his own way and try to make his own determinations on what is right and wrong. He's in the garden of Eden, but then he quickly moves away. And the story of the scriptures is we begin in the garden in in Genesis, and we end in the garden in Revelation. It's the story of God with his people and everything between Genesis and Revelation is God's chasing after his people and desiring to be with them. And the method with which he uses is the tabernacle, is the temple, is the tent of meeting before, is Mount Sinai. These are all pictures. Sinai, the tent of meeting, the tabernacle, the temple eventually. These are all pictures of God saying, look, this is an image that should point you back to the Garden of Eden, the place where everything was right. This is my best way to show my holiness and the rightness of my creation in your midst. The tabernacle, the temple, they all begin like with the glory of God coming down. So you, so Mount Sinai, the glory of God comes down on the mountain and there's separation between God and the people. The tent of meeting where Moses set it up outside separates himself away from the people and the glory of God comes down on the tent of meeting when they build the tabernacle and they finally get it built. At the end of Exodus, the glory of God comes down on the tabernacle and so much so that Moses can't even go in there. When Solomon builds the temple and he finally gets it all erected, the glory of God comes down on the, tab the temple and the priests have to leave because the presence of God is so powerful. It's the place where God says, in this specific place, in this specific space, I choose to dwell in your midst. And so that's what we're gonna be looking at as we head into the next series of podcast episodes that deal with the tabernacle. We're gonna to try to go in to the details of how specific God was and what it means for us. And I can hear some of us who have been raised in the Christian background already saying, yeah, well, Jesus said in Matthew 12, um, something greater than the temple is here. So we don't need that stuff because that's old covenant. That's something in the past. And so it's not something that really applies to us because even, I mean, Jesus said something greater than the temple is here. But as I've been studying, our small group is going through Matthew. I know I've said that a lot, but we're, it's taking us a long time. We're in Matthew 12. It's, it's been eight months. I don't know. But um as we were studying Matthew 12, I realized that Jesus didn't say someone 
greater than the temple is here. Jesus said something greater than the temple is here. And what I think it, it is, is Jesus is saying all along, what's Jesus' message when he begins to preach? What is, he, what is his message? Repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. The kingdom of heaven is coming down into your midst, which the temple the tabernacle, Mount Sinai, are all pictures of the kingdom of heaven. It's the dwelling place of God. And so Jesus says, something greater than the temple is here because what I'm telling you is all these pictures, Sinai, tabernacle, tenant meeting, the temple, are all pictures that are supposed to point you toward the dwelling place of God, toward heaven, the kingdom of heaven and what that looks like. So here's what I think is a struggle for us. I don't know how many of you have decided at some point in the past, I'm going to read through the Bible. I'm going to read through the Bible in a year or six months or um, however much, however, three years, whatever Bible reading plan you have. And we get going like January 1st, which is just at the time of the release of this is just happening. And so we're all pretty probably like, okay, I'm reading the Bible this year. And we're going through and we're doing great. Genesis, all the stories, that's great. We get into Exodus and they're talking about um, the children of Israel coming out of Egypt and the signs and the wonders and the plagues. And it's all like easy reading. And then all of a sudden we get to like Exodus 24, 25, 26, and it starts going through like, Here's the details. You need one cubit for this, two, one and a half cubits, one and a half cubits, 10 curtains, 50 sockets of silver with three layers of blah, 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 blah. And we just go like, who cares, right? And it just is like, this. what does this have to do with us? It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Jesus said something greater than temple is here. This doesn't matter. And here's what I think our struggle is, our problem is. Um, I don't know how many of you have, have ever had a long distance relationship or maybe somebody you love is in the military or maybe somebody you deeply cared about has passed away. And um, over time, you begin to forget what they looked like. And so what we do to prevent that is we'll get a picture of them and we'll stick it right up on our refrigerator. I actually have a picture of somebody who passed away um, in the last year and I have it on my refrigerator. And every time I go in to get coffee, I see that individual and I'm reminded of the goodness that they brought into my life and the blessing. And so um, that's what we tend to do. We put these pictures up. Well, what we don't realize is that God has given us this picture and it's the temple, this tabernacle is this picture that he wants us to paint, that he has painted for us of something super significant uh, all throughout the text. And I say this all the time, God has given us physical representations of spiritual realities. And that is exactly what the temple is. It is a physical representation here on earth of something greater, of something more significant. If we look in Hebrews, um, Hebrews chapter eight, and I, it's, I've got one through two and also verse five. Now, the point of what we're saying is this. We have such a high priest, one who is seated at the right hand of the throne of the majesty in heaven, a minister in the holy places, in the true tent that the Lord set up, not man, the true tent. The tent, the tabernacle is a copy, it's a picture that he has given us. And continuing verse five, they, speaking of the priests here on earth, serve a copy and a shadow of heavenly things. For when Moses was about to erect the tent, he was instructed by God saying, see that you make everything according to the pattern 
that was shown on you, shown you on the mountain. In our dessert episode on this, um, we're going to have a conversation. I'm going to bring my brother back, and we're going to talk about our trip to Israel and how we, um, how we stood at the foot of the, fa- the the foundation wall for where the temple was, and how like it over just overwhelms you with the way it feels. It's significant. It's important. You can feel it, and part of that is because in Deuteronomy, God says. The eyes, it says, the eyes of the Lord are on it all the time. It's a specific place in a specific space that God has said, this is where I choose to call my name. This is where I choose to put my glory in this place. So God gave us this picture to hang on our refrigerator, to remind us, to shake our hearts to overwhelm us with this spirit that says, I have chosen to put my spirit, to put my presence in your midst. And it's an image of something greater in uh, Revelation. Uh, this is one of the things that gets me is we always think, we, we tend to think like we've replaced the tabernacle or the temple with the church or the synagogue or the congregation that we meet in that building now becomes like a holy place you can't eat in the sanctuary you can't drink in there because we've called it a holy place which uh, the place where people meet and pray and the spirit of god comes upon them when two or three are gathered together there i am in their midst it is a holy place but it's not the temple it's not the tabernacle. These are places that God said, build this exactly like this because it is an image that you need to understand points to something even greater. And we've kind of just said, oh, that's old. The temple's destroyed. No big deal. That's past. We don't need to worry about that. But in Revelation chapter 11, it says, then God's temple in heaven was opened. And this is after, this is like the resurrection of Jesus, John's like, been banished to this desert island and he's out there and he sees this vision of God and he's like showing him what is to come. This is what is, this is what is to come. And it says, then God's temple in heaven was opened and the ark of his covenant was seen within his temple, which is a big deal because in the second temple period, when Jesus was going to the temple, the Holy of Holies where the ark of the covenant was supposed to be was empty. It was empty. There was no ark. It had been taken. It had been lost in the destruction of Jerusalem when Babylon came. There is no ark. In the heavenly temple, his ark was seen. There were flashes of light, rumbles, peals of thunder, earthquakes, heavy hail. God has given us picture. And why? Why has God given us this picture? Why is the temple so important? Why does it matter? What have we been missing because we haven't studied the the cubits and the handbreadths of this room and that room. Why, why does that matter to us? As first century, first century, as 21st century followers of Jesus, the Messiah, what does a temple that has been destroyed for thousands of years matter to us? In the prophet Ezekiel, he's been taken into captivity in Babylon and the spirit of God has come upon him to show him what is to come. And this is what it says. Then he led me to the gate, the gate facing east. And behold, the glory of the God of Israel was coming from the east. 
pay attention to the east. We're going to talk about that in the next episode. The coming from the east, going to the west, it's a big deal. And the sound of his coming was like the sound of many waters, and the earth shone with his glory. Here's the glory thing again. And I, and the vision I saw was just like the vision that I had seen when I come, when he came to destroy the city, and just like the vision I had seen by the Kabar Canal. And I fell on my face as the glory of the Lord entered entered the temple by the gate facing east. I want you to see this. The glory of the Lord filling the temple is very important. The glory of the Lord filled, came down on Mount Sinai. The glory of the Lord filled the tent that Moses was in. The glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle when it was built. The glory of the Lord filled Solomon's temple when he built it. We don't have anywhere in history telling us the glory of the Lord filled the temple that Herod built, the one that was around when Jesus was there. It doesn't say the glory of the Lord filled that. But in Ezekiel, it says the next temple, the third temple that has yet to be built in his vision, the glory of the Lord filled the temple. While the man was standing beside me, I heard one speaking to me out of the temple. And he said to me, son of man, this is the place of my throne and the place of the soles of my feet where I will dwell in the midst of the people of Israel forever. And the house of Israel shall no more defile my holy name. Neither they nor their kings by their whoring and by the dead bodies of their kings at their high places, by setting their threshold by my threshold and their doorpost beside my doorpost with only a wall between me and them. They had defiled my holy name by their abominations that they have committed. So I have consumed them in my anger. Now let them put away their whoring and the dead bodies of their kings far from me and I will dwell in their midst. As for you, son of man, describe to the house of Israel the temple that they may be ashamed of their iniquities and they shall measure the plan And if they are ashamed of all that they have done, make known to them the designs of the temple, its arrangements, its exits and its entrances. That is its whole design. And make known to them as well all its statutes and its whole design and all its laws and write it down in their sight so that they may observe all its laws and all its statutes and carry them out. These are the measurements of the altar by cubits, being a cubit being a cubit and a hand breadth. Here's the point. God tells Ezekiel, here's the point. If they are ashamed of their iniquities, and I don't know if you remember episode four, that was a long time ago. We talked about the three words for sin, sin, transgression, and iniquity. Iniquity is twisting. They've taken what God has given them and they've twisted it. And they what they've done, what he's saying, what God has said, he said, I built my temple, I built my holy place and put it in your midst so that I could dwell among you. And what you've done is you built your little stuff right up against the wall so that all separating the holiness of who God is from you is a wall. And you've done all the things that you wanna do. You've twisted the rules, you've twisted the commandments, you created what you wanted to create to make it easier for you, and you've desecrated my space by thinking you could just come up right up next to me and be whoever you wanna be and be however you wanna be. And he says, I've given you the handbreadth and a cubit and a handbreadth and a cubit so you can be ashamed 
of all that you have done. As we read Exodus 25 and it talks about the altar and the lampstand and the showbread and the inner curtain and the outer curtain and the tabernacle covering and the goat's hair and the dyed ram skins, all of that stuff. Do we feel ashamed, ashamed of our iniquities or do we skip over it? Because God says here to Ezekiel, you're gonna write it out because what it does is it describes my holiness. What it does is it, it puts my picture up on the wall and says, look at me, this is how holy I am. You can't just move right up next to me and be however you want to be. It, it can't, we can't coexist. Holiness has to be holiness. And we don't get to just do what we want and live how we want and just slide right up next to God with just a wall separating us. In fact, in Paul, he basically says the same thing in first to, the, to the church in Corinth twice in two letters. 1 Corinthians 3, 16. Do you not know that you are God's temple and that God's spirit dwells in you? If anyone destroys God's temple, God will destroy him for God's temple is holy and you are that temple. And in 2 Corinthians 6, 16, what agreement has the temple of God with idols? For we are the temple of the living God, as God said, I will make my dwelling among them and walk among them. I will be their God and they shall be my people. If we are his people called by his name and he has put his name on us, then we become the picture There is no temple. In Jerusalem right now, there is no temple. There will be again one day as Ezekiel prophesied, but right now there's no temple. There's no place, like specific place that says, look, this is the dwelling of God because we've become that. As followers of the Messiah, he's put his spirit in us and we have become the temple of God. And we cannot just move ourselves up alongside him and say, look, I'm an image of the holy, but I'm not doing what the holy says. I'm not... My, I'm not ashamed of my iniquities. If we're to represent him as a light in a dark world, then each and every cubit and handbreadth matters. Every detail of our lives matter because every detail should be pointing to him. Every detail. Heavenly Father, I just sit here in St. Louis with a microphone in front of me. And I, to be honest, I feel like it's not even enough what I've said. It's not good enough. It sells, it's so short of what you're calling us to. It's so short of what detail and significance you have led us to, you have given us in your scriptures. And I just pray, God, that in my life, that I would take the time to study it. That I wouldn't get distracted by all the stuff that I feel like I need to do, but God, that you would help me to open up the text and to read the hard parts and to see you, to look at the picture, to study your face, to study your holiness the way you have set apart things, the way you have separated things out, the way you say, do this, don't do that. Help me, God, to see that so that I cannot just be one of these 
high priest or so that I can not just be one of these priests who have built my house right up next to yours to say, look how holy I am, but to say, look how holy you are. And as in Deuteronomy says, because of such righteous laws and decrees, that as I study your text and I study your word and I know, learn more about who you are, that it makes me look more like you. That I can be an adequate representation of your holiness in a broken world. I pray for each and every person who might be listening. your glory would come upon them as representatives of your holiness that you would fill them with your holiness and burn up all the brokenness so that we can all as your people be adequate pointers to your holiness In your name we pray, amen. Next episode will be coming out in two weeks and it will be the entree episode to dwelling in your midst, the tabernacle and God's desire to be with his people. In that episode, we'll all be discussing the um, significance of humanity and how we tend to just kind of move east, east away from God and how God just continues to chase us and chase after us. And we're going to see how the tabernacle plays a very major role in all of that. You don't want to miss it. And again, like and subscribe. And if you have any questions, send us an email at theholtestament at gmail.com. There's this other passage that says, I don't even know what to do right now.